Happy holidays, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I am your Ate Sapphire. Today's episode is all about Christmas. First, we'll learn about a popular new toy that you might think twice about before asking for it as a gift. Then, we'll hear about a young girl's perfect Christmas, followed by another girl's close encounter with Santa, and end with the reveal of an old family secret. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale that you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. So, want to hear something scary? This is an original holiday tale that was inspired by a post on the No Sleep subreddit written by username Heyong. Every year, there's that one popular toy that every kid wants and every parent is fighting to find. Tickle Me Elmo's, Furbies, Hatchimals. This year, it's the best friend. They come in a variety of animal shapes and they walk and talk and interact with your kid as if it were a real living thing. It's all my son Rex would talk about in the months leading up to Christmas. He would show me videos on YouTube of other kids playing with their best friends. The technology was actually incredibly impressive and justified the hefty price tag. It would ask the kids questions like how old they were, where they lived, and it would give realistic responses when the kids answered. It could even walk next to you and follow you around the house. Rex even explained to me that it used cameras and sensors to do so. It's crazy how knowledgeable and comfortable kids are around tech these days. When I was his age, I could barely operate a TV. I told him that if he was really good, Santa would definitely get it for him but it was impossible to find. I went to every mall, looked at every online store. The only best friends available were being resold for 10 times what they were worth. It was a week before Christmas and I had pretty much given up hope. But then a friend of mine texted me. He had found a paper ad on a coffee shop bulletin. A man had purchased a bunch of best friends and was selling them for face value. But there was no name or contact info not even a phone number, just a location and window of time to meet him. There were so many red flags that it was probably just a scam, but I was desperate. And the location was on my way to work. I figured it wouldn't hurt to go see if it was legit. The next morning, I went to the neighborhood park listed on the ad and looked for the bright yellow truck. There it was, off in the far corner of the parking lot. As I approached it, I saw that there were anti-government conspiracy theorist bumper stickers all over it. 9-11 was an inside job, don't trust banks, technology will kill us, that sort of thing. I approached the driver's side window and saw a man in his 50s. Hi, uh, I'm here to get a best friend? Sure, I'll need a photo of you first. Uh, okay, why not? He pulled out a Polaroid camera and snapped a photo of me. I figured it was his kooky way of recording his sales. I didn't know and I didn't care to ask. Must be pretty desperate to get a toy from a stranger in a parking lot. The man said with a chuckle. Yeah, I really, really, really need this. Oh, 
you need this. Well, I'm glad to have helped. You accept Venmo? I asked him, gesturing to the app on my cell phone. He burst out laughing. <gasps> only idiots willingly carry a tracking device on them. Cash only. Luckily, I had some on me, and I handed it to him. You know, cell phones are really useful. The man handed me the box, and as he did, he looked deep into my eyes and said, Their greatest achievement was making us believe that we need the things that will one day betray us. Okay, this guy's nuts, I thought to myself as I slowly began walking away from his truck. I was just happy to have my hands on a best friend. After work, I didn't even bother wrapping the toy or waiting until Christmas. I handed it straight to my son, who began jumping up and down with glee. This particular one looked like a cute little dinosaur, which he loved. It was the happiest I had seen him in a long time. He loved that thing and took it everywhere with him. The first incident that should have told me something was up was when I started receiving emails for services I hadn't signed up for. I just wrote them off as spam. Then my credit card statements started showing transactions that were definitely not mine. Credit card theft was pretty common around the holidays, so I had my bank send me a new card and that was that. But the worst of it was when our house was broken into. We had spent Christmas Day at my mother's house with family, and we came back home to find our window smashed and many of our valuables stolen. It was the worst possible way to end such a joyful day. As my wife and I examined the mess, my son came up to me and handed me his best friend. He wants to talk to you. Please, Rex, I don't have time to play your games right now. Still think I'm nuts, Lisa? I recognize that voice. That's when it all made sense. I grabbed the toy from him and looked for a battery pack. It must have been really well concealed because I couldn't find any zippers or compartments. The toy continued to taunt me. You invited me in. You knew what I was capable of and you didn't care. Shut up! I took it to the kitchen and pulled out a butcher knife. My son was yelling at me the entire time, telling me not to hurt him. But I had to. I had to destroy it. Why is everyone so willing to give up their privacy so easily? I smashed its face. I could hear the mechanism inside shatter. My son was hysterical. But he didn't understand how serious this was. I had to destroy that toy for his safety, for our safety. My son looked at me with the most hateful expression I had ever seen. I hate you, mom, I hate you. He stormed off to his room as I fell apart in the kitchen. Then my phone rang. You thought it was going to be that easy? I know everything about you now, Lisa. And until you get rid of all your devices, I'll keep finding you. And now, more something scary. This next story comes from the No Sleep subreddit, written by username EZ Misery, entitled The Best Christmas Ever. I smoothed down my red velvet dress. Mommy picked it out for me. She said she used to wear almost the exact same dress when she was younger. I feel like a candy cane with my brand new shiny white shoes. My hair is all done up with little sparkly clips. Mommy let me wear makeup this year. I did it just the way she does, with shimmering lip gloss and a lot of blush on my cheeks. 
I'm nine this year, and I just know it's going to be the best Christmas ever. Christmas has always been a big deal in our home. We decorate the entire house with tinsel and twinkly lights. Mommy brought home a big tree that's taller than I am. We spent an entire weekend filling it with ornaments. Our house looks like Santa's village. I think Christmas has always been a big deal because it's also my birthday. Well, Christmas Eve is my birthday. So instead of waiting for Christmas morning, Mommy and I always open presents the night before. Some of the girls at school think it'd be bad to share your birthday with Christmas since they think you'd get less presents. But Mommy always gives me the best gifts. Last year, she got me a puppy. Tonight is Christmas Eve and Mommy has gone all out with dinner. She made a turkey and a ham for just us two. We also have the same sides and yummy desserts that we have every year. Mommy is wearing a green velvet dress and we look very festive next to each other. We laugh and eat until we're stuffed. Next, it's present time. Mommy tells me that Christmas is about family and that presents are just an added bonus. But it's hard not to get excited. She always gets me the best stuff. Plus, I got Mommy something special too. Under the tree are lots of presents. I rip through them pretty fast. I get lots of new clothes and jewelry. Mommy also got me my very own makeup kit. She helps me put even more blush on my face. Now we have matching rosy cheeks. I saved the biggest gift for last. The box is huge. It must be at least three feet long. This is a very special present, Mommy tells me. You have to be careful opening it. I slowly unwrap it. The paper comes away easily. Maybe it's another puppy. I lift the top of the box off and inside I see a doll. She's so lifelike. I reach in to touch her, but then suddenly realize she's breathing. I gasp and draw away. Is she real? Mommy chuckles. Yes, Joy. She's your new little sister. Her name is Charity. She couldn't be older than four. She's wearing a frilly blue dress and has soft red hair. My hands start to shake, but I still reach in and stroke her face. She's cold, but breathing. Her hands and feet are so small. Mommy sits behind me, smiling. I've given her a sleeping pill so she won't wake up for a few hours, but once she wakes up, we can dress her up and introduce her to our new house. Where did you get her? She's perfect. I can't stop petting her. She swats at my hand in her sleep. The mall, just like where I got you. Mommy rubs my back lovingly. I frown a little. What if she doesn't work out, like my last little sister? Mommy stops rubbing. It's always a risk when you're shopping for new babies. The last one was just too noisy. I had to throw her away. But this one came without a fuss, so I think she's going to be perfect. I smile wide. Thank you, Mommy. You're the very best Mommy in the world. I wrap my arms around her. I leap up. Oh, and I have a present for you, too. I've been keeping it a secret for a long time. Oh? Mommy laughs. Yeah, it's in the basement. Mommy picks up Charity and slings her over her shoulder. The little girl's body flops like a rag doll. I grab Mommy's hand and we go down to the basement. It smells bad, so neither of us spend much time down here. That's why I knew this was the perfect place to hide her present. I turn on the lights and yell, Ta-da! The light illuminates a sleeping man slumped on the floor. He's tied to the radiator with my jump ropes. Boxes of cookies scatter the floor. 
I plugged my nose. The man went to the bathroom right where he was, and it smelled terrible. I start to cry a little. I'm sorry, Mommy. I told him to keep himself clean. I step forward. Wake up, Daddy. You have to meet Mommy. The man doesn't stir. I feel mad at him. I kick him a little. Wake up, Daddy. Mommy puts a hand on my shoulder. Oh, Joy, this was so thoughtful of you. But did you give him water? I look up at her, tears in my eyes. I gave him plenty of cookies so he wouldn't get hungry. Silly girl, daddies need food and water. Mommy's smiling, so I know she's not mad at me. It looks like we may need to throw this daddy away. He's gone bad. I pout. I tried so hard to get you a good present. I did all the tricks you taught me and got him into the basement and everything. It's not your fault, Sugar Plum. Finding the right daddy is very hard. You know this. I've been trying for years. She tussles my hair. I'll get rid of this daddy for you, and then we can play with your new little sister. Okay. Mommy takes my hand, and we walk back upstairs. The lights are still twinkling, and it makes me feel a little better. I'll get her a good present next year. I'll get her ten daddies. And maybe one of them will tell me why my puppy won't wake up. Oh man, what a twisted pair of people. I feel really bad for that little girl who's basically being brainwashed by her crazy mom. This next story comes from Katani, who met Santa, or at least thinks she did. When I was little, of course I believed in Santa. Who didn't? He was a big fat man who wore a red suit and brought you gifts and all you had to do was leave him cookies and milk. Who could pass up that deal? But one Christmas changed the joy of Santa into a nightmare. My mom and I were baking cookies and watching Christmas movies all night. We had a tiny Christmas tree in the corner by the TV because our living room was too small to put a big one in it. But it was better than not having one at all. It was roughly 8 p.m. and I began to yawn. Okay, come on, time for bed, my mother said, giving me kisses on the forehead while taking me to my room. Remember, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. Good night, my love. Mom gave me one last goodnight kiss before leaving the room and closing the door behind her. I waited at least 10 minutes before climbing out of bed. I was determined to see Santa that year. I crept downstairs into the living room, pulled out my candy cane stash, and turned the TV on really low so Mom wouldn't hear. And I waited. And waited. And waited. It was getting really late, and I was running out of candy canes to eat and shows to watch. Right when I turned the TV off to give up and go to bed, I heard it. A big thump on the ceiling. It had to be Santa. I heard him walking across the ceiling. His footsteps sounded really hollow, kind of like a pony or a deer, but I figured I was mistaking his footsteps for his reindeer. I heard him start to shimmy down the chimney, so I hid. I ran to the kitchen and peeked my head out to watch as a tall figure emerged from the fireplace. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't make out his face, but he looked much larger than I pictured him to be. He made his way towards the stairs, so I slowly followed him, careful not to let him see that I was out of bed. I watched as he entered my room, looked around, and came back out. 
I quickly and quietly hid again in the hallway closet so he wouldn't see me as he passed on his way back down the stairs. And as he passed the closet, I could hear him breathing. Or more like grunting. It didn't really sound human. It sounded animalistic. As I watched him go down the stairs back to the living room, I could make out more of his details. He was hairy. Very, very hairy. His legs were bent back like a horse's, and he had horns coming out of his head. He was dragging a big burlap bag. I studied the bag, and the more I stared, the more I noticed it was wiggling, like something was in it. The bag left some gross substance on the floor. It hit the carpet with a loud splat. I gasped at the noise, and suddenly Santa spun around towards my direction. I backed away from the closet door so he wouldn't see me. His grunts grew louder, more angered now. He was stomping around the room, looking for me. I heard more noises coming from the bag. It sounded like little animals were whining. I thought, was Santa delivering puppies to all the kids? And why was the bag dripping? And just like that, Santa ran up the chimney and left. The next morning, I woke up in the closet. I ran out and saw a whole bunch of presents sitting around our tiny tree. I smiled and jumped up and down, waking my mom. She smiled at my excitement and she went to make her coffee. But when she went in the kitchen, she noticed the cookies she made had chunks missing from them and the milk was all gone. Okay, did you eat all the cookies last night? I looked at my mom and smiled. It was Santa, mommy. I saw him last night. You didn't tell me he was hairy. He had horns and a big bag with something moving in it. I think I heard puppies in there. There were little voices coming from it. My mom never did tell me who it was who really came into our old house. But I'm 17 now, and because of the internet, I quickly learned who really came into our home. They call him Krampus. Apparently, he takes bad children away and stuffs them in his bag, where he takes them back to his cave to torture them. But what I never understood was why he was at my house. Had I been bad without knowing it? And was he going to come back for me next year? Thank you, Katani, for submitting that story. I personally prefer Krampus over Santa. I'm pretty sure most of you do, too. And if you want more Krampus, last year I animated a poem about him um, over at youtube.com snarled. And our final story is from Rebecca about the Christmas day that she discovered the truth about a long-hidden, well-kept family secret. Hi, my name is Rebecca, and I wanted to share a scary story that actually happened in my family during one fateful Christmas. In my family, there is a very old house that was built by my great-great-great-grandfather in the 1800s. It wasn't very big, pretty much a small farmhouse with an old barn attached to it. The house sat in the middle of a field, and not too far from the field was a small town and a riverfront. During this time, a cousin named Thomas lived with my family in the 1800s. Not much is known about him today, but what we do know is one very eerie thing. One day he left the house, but he never returned. The family and police searched for him everywhere, but to no avail. They never found a body or any trace of him. The family just assumed he was killed somehow or got lost. Or at least that's what we were told throughout the generations. By the time the early 1900s rolled around, a mysterious wooden chest appeared in the basement. 
And I, I don't mean it appeared out of thin air. I mean, the adults had put it there. But this wasn't an ordinary chest, you see. It was locked up good. Whoever locked up this chest never wanted anybody to go inside it. From that day on, all the adults in the family told the children the same thing whenever they asked about it. Never open that chest. So, eventually, the children just stopped asking about it in general. Soon, the chest was forgotten altogether. But the legend would pop up now and again between the children. Maybe if you opened it, it would release a hellish curse. Among all of the speculation, a few facts would also come up. Apparently, the cousin had different views from the rest of the family. He had a solid gold tooth that shined when he smiled during familial debates. The cousin was from the north, and the rest of the family was born and raised in the south. During the Civil War, things got a bit heated between them. We found old journals from our relatives talking about how this cousin Thomas would lead them all astray if he had his way. And then, on the day Cousin Thomas went missing, all journal entries stopped. Something went wrong with Cousin Thomas, and the answer was probably locked away in that mysterious chest. It wasn't until the early 2000s when the chest would resurface. I believe I was about five years old, and it was during Christmas with the family. We were all sitting together in the old living room, having a good time and opening presents. Then I remember all the adults in the room went eerily quiet. They all had shocked looks on their faces as I turned around to see what they were looking at. I saw my Uncle Keith and my Uncle Tommy carrying in a giant wooden chest. My grandmother was freaking out at this point, asking, Why did you take it out of the basement? My uncle simply laughed and said this thing had been gathering dust long enough and they were just curious to see what was inside. As I said before, this thing was heavily locked up, and Lord knows where the key was, or if the key even still existed. So, my Uncle Tommy went to go get a crowbar to pry it open. The entire family sat there with bated breath, their instincts screaming at them to not open the chest as they previously had been told. Just before my uncle was about to stick the crowbar in, we heard Uncle Keith say, What if it's Thomas? Everybody in the family turned white as a ghost. The entire room was filled with a palpable silence as we all looked at each other. At the time, I was only five years old, so I didn't really understand what was going on. But I will never forget the looks on my family's faces. All of them filled with terror at the sudden realization that it was very possible that there was a body in this chest. After all... The chest had only appeared a short while after the cousin went missing, and it would have been so easy to murder someone and dispose of them back then. My mother and aunt began pushing all the children out of the room. Then, my uncle plunged the crowbar into the chest. I heard the creaking of the wood as it began to splinter. When he finally broke through, all of my cousins and me were trying to peer through the doorway to find out what was in the chest. Dust flew into the air as my uncle lifted the lid. They stared at the inside for what felt like hours. Then, they slowly reached their hands in and began pulling out shovels. It looks like they were splattered with some kind of substance. Maybe it was oil? They pulled out more tools. Rusty old tools, pickaxes, large saws, and even pliers. My grandma gasped as my uncle held the pliers up. There, nestled between the grip, 
was a solid gold tooth. Soon, my entire family was holding up tools from the box. After everything was unloaded, only one piece remained. My uncle bent down and picked it up. It was a piece of parchment, written in dried blood. My uncle spoke the words out loud. One bad apple spoils the bunch. We all stood in silence. My family all shook their heads and started throwing the wooden tools into the nearby fireplace, cursing their past generations. I remember my grandma telling us, Whatever sins they performed back then, we must do right to change and put this family back on track. We will not let differences tear us apart. She took the pliers and held up the gold tooth. May you rest in peace, Cousin Thomas. She threw the pliers into the fire. The gold sparkled as the fire consumed it. If you would like to submit a story, please send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form on youtube.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.